Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, the NHL trade deadline is only eight days away. And after trading Nikita Zaitsev, we look at who some options could fit with the Sens' newly found cap flexibility. And we have a very special guest. Ross has been a long time coming, but finally, TSN's play-by-play announcer John Abbott joins the show. And with four games in five nights starting Friday, the Sens enter the eye of the hurricane in Carolina. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. And welcome inside episode 742 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains. Today is Thursday, February 23rd. And Pilsy, for only the last time until Saturday, it sends game days. Oh, yeah, this this has seemed like a long stretch, but we're not going to be worried about uh, a long stretch for the rest of this month as these games are fast and furious. And uh, honestly, I'll say it, this back-to-back up against the Detroit Red Wings might be the two biggest games of the entire season. I don't disagree with that, but you have to get one. Have to get one of Friday or Saturday in Carolina tomorrow. John Abbott will be on the call. He's on the show later on. Great guy. Then in Montreal on Saturday where you're going for the season sweep against your interprovincial rivals. So we'll see which one, if not both. I don't want to get too cocky. Pilsy, do you think two is realistic? Uh, between Carolina and Montreal? I, I think if you get three points out of those two games, you're happy. I'll say that. We'll call that a win. I would call last night's trade a win. We're going to touch on the practice line. Senators on the ice in Carolina after the interview with John Abbott. But Pilsy, I need your take. We posted a bonus episode last night after the Senators traded Nikita Zaitsev along with their second round pick in this upcoming draft and a fourth round pick in a draft that the kids who are going to be picked then are 14 years old right now to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for future considerations. Your thoughts on the deal. Well, this is something that it's been a long time coming, and I think Sens fans uh, have known that. I think pretty well all along, we knew there was going to be a second-round pick attached to moving Nikita Zaitsev. I think that was kind of fairly accepted. And I listened to your episode, you and Martian. You guys did a great job. Uh, I I was uh, disappointed I couldn't make it. I was at work. But that's the immediate reaction you get from the Locked On Senders podcast. But here's my thing is this is something that – I don't want to necessarily like I definitely don't want to applaud Pierre Dorian for mopping up a mess that he caused just to save not holding Cody Cece for one year. If you want to take things all the way back to how we got Nikita Zaitsev. But the thing is, this was a move out of 100 percent necessity. If they don't get Nikita Zaitsev off the books for this offseason, this team's screwed, and I've played around on cap friendly. I've tried, uh, you know, making everything work and fitting a new defenseman in and figuring out the goaltending. And there's not a lot of room left when you consider the salary that Alex DeBrinket is most likely going to command. So, yes, it's great to get that four and a half million off, but 
I don't think this necessarily translates to, okay, Zaitsev's gone. Now we can get a defenseman that's making six plus million. I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than that. And this summer, they have the Alex DeBrinket situation. Shane Pinto, is he a bridge guy? And you're already able, as of July 1st, to negotiate with Jake Sanderson on his next contract yes. that doesn't expire until the end of the 2024 season. So I, I'm with you in that sense. I do think that Jacob Chikrin remains my most coveted piece with the 4.6 cap hit for two more years after this one. The only thing is lefties. How many can you have on a decor? Are you married to three lefties on the left side, three righties on the right side? And where's everybody going to get their minutes as well? But in terms of, of cost, I mean, I threw out on the top of my list at Send Central. I just put out all the names that I've heard in touch with the Ottawa Senators. And you have a player who's not even on my list, who I want you to get to, but I'm just going to roll through because the top tier for me, and I put Eric Carlson at the top, yeah, sure, to be a bit of a talker, a bit of a, a promo there is like, man, how great would the story of Eric Carlson coming home be? I'm a sucker. Stories cost money, Ross. Stories cost money, yeah. This one's, <laughs> uh, this one's not on the, on the uh, get rid of rack. It's not at the library you could check out for free. This is yeah. a big-time contract that would be coming back Certainly, you hope money's retained if that is. But we don't have to spend much time on Eric Carlson. If you want Merck Mathot's thoughts, we have that video on YouTube as well where he talked about uh, Eric Carlson and, and where he might want to play. But I've also got Mackenzie Wieger and Jacob Chikrin. I explained Chikrin, just a, a great defensive defenseman, contract fits. Wieger, I think that's more of a pipe dream. If it was going to happen, it would have been at the draft. The Flames still in the mix and an eight-year contract that doesn't kick in until next year. Pilsy, why don't you walk me through this middle tier and how you think of these players? I think this middle tier, I'm not sold on Dumba, Ross, just because we've talked to our friend Seth Tupal from Locked on Wild, and he really gives the impression that the Minnesota Wild kind of can't get, can't wait to get rid of Dumba. And I don't know if that's the kind of player the Ottawa Senators are looking for. And I think he could command a decent dollar amount on his next contract. That's why I have him. This is the meh tier, by yeah. the way. So these don't really excite me. But what's holding Dumba away from that bottom tier is if the price is right, he could be a rental. And you don't have money committed to him beyond this year. So if it's if it's not for a big return, which Bill Guerin probably wants to make a hockey deal and get someone who can help his team make a push in the playoffs in the Central yeah. Division. So that's where it gets complicated. But if they're really trying to get rid of it to make that move elsewhere... Then if I'm the Senators, I'd take a shot at him. I think that a change of scenery, a guy who's only ever played in one place, it would have to be a very low cost. Like, you know what? I'll say I would be happy with him for nothing more than they gave up for Travis Hamannick. And I know they're running out of draft picks here, but if they gave up a third-round pick and Minnesota was happy to move that uh, the rest of this year, I'd be happy to take that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm not at a spot where I'm interested in rentals. Uh, it, it just kind of makes me nervous. And I, I think Minnesota is honestly just going to let him walk. I think that's what we're going to see. They they want his help. I don't think they're going to get what they want in return. And if they do, it's going to be because they're going to make a subsequent move right after. So that's a lot of balls up in the air for the Wild. I think uh, Matt Roy and Sean Walker are, are great in this spot because they're low cost. They've got term. I think for the trade deadline, Ross, you're looking for low-risk options that can help you out this season and beyond. I don't think a rental or a guy you're going to take a big gamble on and you're going to trade a lot of assets for right now makes sense. If the Sens were clearly in the hunt and not sniffing around, well, that changes things. But 
we're, we're just sniffing around here. Let's be honest. It's it's still a ways to go here, but some help would do well for that's for sure for the rest of the season here. Both of those players are on the LA Kings. Sean Walker is signed for next season at 2.65 as well. 28-year-old right shot defenseman Matt Roy, right shot 27-year-old defenseman, is signed for 3.15 these upcoming seasons. But the player that you want to add, Pilsy, are you putting him in this middle tier at the top or are you just as high on this guy as you are with the Jacob Chickrens and Mackenzie Weger level player? Oh, no, not at all. And I think that's, that's why I'm glad I get an opportunity to talk about this. I, the player I have, and I guess uh, we'll stop the tease, I'll just announce it because it's not a guy that's going to blow the minds of people. It's probably someone that uh, people are going to have to check him out on Elite Prospects producing Googling, but that's Matt Benning from the San Jose Sharks. And the reason I like him is, well, he's a right-hand uh, shot defenseman. He's got this year and three more years after at a cap hit of $1.3 million. He has over 400 NHL games played. He's a guy that can put up decent amount of points. Like I'm looking at his elite prospects right now. He's he's usually between 10 and 25 points. He's projected to get 30 points this season on a bad San Jose team. This is a guy that gives you low risk stability. He's not someone that's going to put you over the edge. He's not someone that uh, is going to change this decor for for a massive amount. He's someone that at 1.3 million for a couple years. And he's he's not that old either. He's only 28, so that's going to bring him into his early 30s. I think even if he's your third pair right-hand shot defenseman, that's great value. And the Ottawa Senators need to find value right now more than they need to take gambles. That's been the problem with the Ottawa Senators is they take gambles on guys that have down years and they're like, oh, they're going to fix themselves in Ottawa. Well, that simply has not worked out. Or they've taken on bad contracts from teams like Nikita Zaitsev being like, well, Maybe this will work. If not, we'll figure out how to get out of it down the road. And they can't be doing that. So where I think Matt Benning's contract is something very serviceable for this team. If you can have an NHL player playing decent minutes night in, night out at $1.3 million, that's pretty safe for me. And I think the San Jose Sharks are in a position where they could trade him. It wouldn't alter their roster too much. But they know the value of having a guy signed at that low AAV and a right-hand defenseman. So... In conclusion, Ross, to wrap it up, Matt Benning is a guy I would put in the meh category. I would say probably ahead of uh, Matt Roy and Sean Walker just because it's a cheaper dollar amount. I'm not necessarily saying he's a better player, but that helps them manage this cap because when you start looking at Alex DeBrinkett, Shane Pinto, and uh, Jake Sanderson's next contract, like Jake Sanderson, his con- I don't know if they're going to be able to bridge him. Like He could demand, like think about how good he is right now. Think about him in two years, depending on when Dorian gets this deal done. I know oh, yeah. you mentioned they could yeah, they could get year. it started. Right, because he's got that classic NCAA thing where you come in, you burn a year right away. So that gives him less time to earn that second paycheck. I look yeah. at him as getting a Rasmus Dahlin-esque, maybe with inflation in the league, maybe at what Dahlin signed for a couple of years. He's a first overall pick. It was a three-year deal at 6.5. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're looking at that range, and I would agree with you, I think we're going to see something similar to that. So if you're looking at that range, and let's just say conservatively, DeBrink gets making $9 million. I'm not saying that's what he's going to get, higher or lower. Let's just say conservatively. You're already at $15 million there. And then Shane Pinto, you're probably going to look at between 2 and $3 million at least. So now you're looking at, you've got $18 million. Not math guys here. Uh, don't, uh, don't check my math here. But if my math is correct, you've now used up all your cap space on just 
bringing those, uh, just keeping the guys you have. Right. But I mean, with Jake Sanderson, that's one year down the road. Now we're looking at two years, right? But I so, mean, Alex DeBrinket, Jake Sanderson, and Shane Pinto, those are guys you're going to want beyond one year down the road. For sure. But after next season, the Sens will have about $5.1 million in dead money off the books. The um, the Michael Delzato, the, uh, the Bobby Ryan, and Matt Murray. So just between Bobby Ryan and Matt Murray, after not this season, but next, they're going to be saving almost $3.6 million in that. In that. And, and there's your goaltender. True. 100%. Right? So yep. you've now used up all your assets just keeping the guys you have. And if you can get a goalie in the $3.5 million range, you're strapped. I know the cap might go up here, but that's right. when people are talking about acquiring defensemen that are making $6.5 million for the next eight years. It sounds great, but you got to start working working these things out. And that's why I think a guy like Matt Benning can have so much value. Um, I, I think as long as he can be a good third-pair defenseman, which isn't asking too much, at $1.3 million for the next couple of years, there's good value there. And I want to give uh, our guy at Fighting Stutzla, Dylan, a uh, uh, shout-out for that. Friend. Yes, uh, good old Newfoundland by. So he he's the one that put me onto that trail, and I kind of did some digging and thought that that would make sense. But I want to maintain this is not a move I think is going to change the Ottawa Senators franchise drastically. It's just something I looked at as maybe being a tidy piece of business that helps this team immediately and doesn't put them in a bad spot when you're trying to re-sign those uh, RFAs coming up here. I think that was well said. Let us know in the comments. The way I'll respond quickly, because we got to get to John Abbott. I'm so excited for you all to hear this interview. If that's a subsequent move and they're able to move on from Nick Holden, I would be thrilled. And Nick Holden's making 1.3 this year. I know you added term in Matt Benning, but I still think that Dorian, remember that he's, he's got his job hanging in the balance with new ownership coming in. He needs to show that he's looking to actively improve and get this team over the hump. They're, they're sniffing around. And I think that that would be a good second move to shore up the back end. But I still think they have to aim higher than that. They have to aim, like even you mentioned that you'd have Benning ahead of Matt Roy and, and Sean Walker. I'd put him right in, in the middle of them. But I, I think that he would have to be a second one. We'll see. And I mean, that's a you did you did a good sell job on him for me. And uh, it's got to be less grenades, though, uh, in his own zone. I remember he had a bad giveaway in the game in Ottawa earlier this year. So... Uh, he's not immune to the odd mistake, and I mean, that's what you need yeah. to, even if it's a good value play at low million. Um, the Senators just got rid of a few mistakes from the back end. I want a safe defenseman would be my number one priority as Jacob Chikrin con- hard to find. continues to be a healthy scratch. Two more years at 4.6. Pilsy, how much money was Nikita Zaitsev making this year next? Yeah, 4.5. But are you willing to give up a first-round prospect and either Pinto or Greg? That's what the, that's what the price is for Chikrin. Frank Saravalli reporting recently, a couple days ago, that the price could be two first round picks or a first round pick and a subsequent level. That's process. what I'm saying. Yeah, I'd probably do two first round picks, but the thing is, wow. the Sen- the Senators aren't trading their first rounder this year. I don't no. think they should anymore. A- especially they just trade their second and third. Yeah, three seventh though. That's that's yeah. That's <laughs> that's what I wanted to get into too though is I was so disappointed when the trade finalizations happened and it was this year's pick because if it was next year's or next year's Washington Capitals, I'm talking about 2024, I would have been a lot happier with that cuz this is supposed to be a deep draft and Ross selfishly, we like to cover the top 64 prospects if the Ottawa Senators only have one pick in that range. 
it's it's tough for us as much as we love covering prospects yeah love of the game for sure hey talk about love of the game how about starting to cover this team at not this team this this world of broadcast media at 16 years old knowing that that's what you wanted to do that was john abbott so coming up on the show we're going to chat with john about his rise through the ranks of play-by-play and then we're going to wrap up the show with Line combos, practice going on in Carolina as we speak ahead of tomorrow's game against the Hurricanes. You're listening to Locked On Senators. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. They are the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one sportsbook in North America, and official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Is that good? Yeah, sign me up for that. And what I love about them is their app is awesome. For everyone in Ontario, you you already know this. It's simple, safe, secure, easy to use. I usually check it every day just to see if they got any fun promos or anything that I see some good value on, Ross. You know I'm all about value. And if you like value, our friends down in the United States, if you start today, you can get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. That's awesome. All you got to do is sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. They got all your favorite bets, whether you're a money line, point spread, player prop guy. You can do same game parlays for a bigger chance at a bigger payout. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Don't forget $5 to get $150 in free bets, win or lose. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Glebe Central Pub. They're your neighborhood pub, and they're in the heart of the Glebe. That's 779 Bank Street. And even if you're not in the Glebe as a, as a resident, they certainly make you feel at home at the Glebe Central Pub. Whether it's battle bots, whether it's speed dating, whether it's trivia, whether it's live music, they've got it all at the Glebe Central Pub. They also have frosty cold beers, 775 for a Guinness every Friday. You kidding me? Sign me up after a long week. At the office, the Glebe Central Pub is the perfect place to go before you head down to Lansdowne, whether you're going to a movie or to see the 67s. It's always a great spot to fuel up at the Glebe Central Pub. Get the wings, get the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, and you're going to have a good time at the Glebe Central Pub. Check them out at 779 Bank Street. Make sure you let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. Say hi to Dave for us, all the beauties that work at the Glebe Central Pub. It's the Glebe Central Pub. Let them know Locked On Senators sent you. Now, let's get to our interview with one of the voices of Ottawa Senators hockey. It's John Abbott. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. It's long overdue, but we are very pleased to be joined by John Abbott, one of the voices of your Ottawa Senators. And if that voice sounded familiar when he came on board with TSN 5, that's because way back when he was covering the 67s. Johnny, welcome to Locked On Senators. How are you doing today, man? Oh, boys, I am so pumped to be on the program and love what you do. I know we had to catch up earlier, but I just uh, I love the grind of you guys putting it out every single day. And uh, yeah, fantastic to join you today. I'm pumped. It's one day away from Sens game day. Yeah, it's a big four and five coming up. Hey, when you call multiple games in a week, what's the secret to keeping your voice fresh? <laughs> well, as long as it doesn't get as bad as the uh, the 2017 World Juniors where I I nearly lost it for the gold medal game. I was drinking Ooh. everything, including apple cider vinegar, which is, uh, I don't advise that. That is uh, some nasty stuff. But uh, yeah, you know what? You just try to take care of yourself the best as you can. Drink lots of orange juice, maybe. I don't have any really s- big secrets for you other than, uh, yeah, rest and, uh, and and try and stay out of the, the elements as much as possible. Make sure and- you can get in the seat and not let anything drop off. And athletic greens, right, Pilsy? 
That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's always good. Are, are you a big tea guy? I know some, a lot of broadcasters, they they swear by the tea because you still get that caffeine, but the coffee sometimes dehydrates you. So I think a lot of guys are switching to tea. You know what? It's funny you take me back to 67 days, and I wasn't a coffee drinker before starting to, to take those bus trips and uh, quickly became one through the uh, the press room. So I, I like to do a little mix there, pills. I do. I like to get the coffee in me to get the juices flowing and then – and then uh, hit the tea with a little honey and maybe a lemon go. if there's one kicking around. So, yeah, there's uh, nothing new in the broadcast booth, but y- you hope that you don't uh, suffer from that that laryngitis or the sore throat because that's just the worst feeling ever for sure. Well, according to your bio here on TSN, our crack research team discovered that you wouldn't have been able to put any whiskey in that drink for three years from when you started broadcasting. Is it true you started when you were 16 years old? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, I did. Yeah, it was much more behind the scenes for the most part then, but uh, fooled the folks with the London Knights to give me a chance to show up and, and be part of their broadcast each and every uh, Friday night, most of the home games. And uh, the Canada Summer Games were on at that time too. So yeah, I was able to, to ply my trade with local cable and, and uh, man, that helped me uh, tenfold just to get to know the industry, to get to know the ins and outs. And and I always appreciate from that day on, actually, I always appreciate how much hard work goes into behind the scenes because it's it's the people you don't see that uh, that get us on the air and make us look good and, and do all the hard work for sure. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And that that's a worthy shout out. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. So I definitely uh, respect that. And so Ross mentioned you got started early. John, when did you know you wanted to be a broadcaster? Was there like a eureka moment? Was that always what you were going for or how did it all unfold? Well, perhaps like both of you and uh, maybe some watching this, you know, I had the uh, the knack to not shut up. So that was a good starting point. Uh, many teachers will tell you that I talked way too much. So uh, I guess when you have that opportunity uh, to continue to, to do that and, and do it for a living, you always, you know, point yourself in that direction. But yeah, on, it's something I've always wanted to do. I'll take you even further back. Try not to make this too long, but that's what happens when you're talking to a, a play-by-play guy, I guess. But uh, yeah, I hopped in the car with my dad, many road trips as a youngster and had the tape recorder. Yes, tape recorder going nice. and would, uh, do, would do sports cast back in the day too. So yeah, it's right from, you know, elementary school. That's what I wanted to do and uh, chase the dream pretty hard and very, very fortunate every day to, to wake up and be able to do it. What part of the country did you grow up in? You said London Knights was deep Southern Ontario. Yeah, you got it. That was the old stomping grounds. Uh, that was, you know, basically the hometown team at that point. So that's that's where I originated. Um, you know, Elmer, Ontario, officially. I, I had to mind myself coming to Ottawa uh, because Elmer right across the river would put me into a different kind of uh, discussion. I, I did take French and I admire it, but I can't quite hold my own in a, a, a back and forth like that. So, yep. Uh, right around the London area, for sure. So if Nick St. Pierre goes down, you're not filling in doing the <laughs> broadcast? No, not for three periods anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you when you bounced around, uh, how did you get to Ottawa originally? Because I remember listening to you on the radio way back when, and, and you must have been just coming up as well with the 67. So how did that move take place? You know what? And, and not to... Uh... Not to throw too many darts on the map to uh, to follow the travels here. I was I was really fortunate, as I said, to get in with London. That kind of led me to uh, the Toronto St. Michael's Majors back when they were playing uh, closer to the downtown. 
Uh, was Eugene Melnick to... the owner? Yeah, of the team? he was. He was. Yep, at that time. Yep, Dave Cameron was coaching uh, one of those years too. So uh, Bob Jones actually was on the bench with him as well. So lots of old nice. uh, connections there. It's a small world. You guys know that. It's part of the the great. I think it's the great side of of hockey. But uh, some may disagree. But that opportunity uh, led me back to London. Um, so kind of bounced around a little bit. Kane, Gagne, and Kostitsin were were the the line at that time. So not too bad. And uh, all all 100 plus point guys in the OHL. And then uh, Dave Schreiber came knocking one day and said. Abs, I'm uh, I'm filling in when when Dean's doing TV. Would you be interested in coming to Ottawa? And I jumped at it, and it was the best decision I ever made. And and you know at that time Ottawa was my second home, and just uh, so 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 happy. It's almost surreal to be back. To be honest with you, because you were out. Did you go from the sixty sevens out to Vancouver? Were there a couple stops in between from there? I ended back up in Toronto with the Marlies, actually, and okay. that kind of opened the door professionally for me and then uh, filled in for Bonesy for a, a season. Um, he was doing the same thing that Dean was doing. He was jumping back and forth between TV and radio back when you could do that and and then out to Vancouver uh, with the Canucks for almost, uh, you know, just over seven years. So quite a stint out there and then right back to Ottawa, man. I can still remember coming back, driving the parkway again and just being uh, – Feeling like, oh, I can't believe I get to do this. This is unbelievable. It's, you basically took the same path that a player would take from time to time, right? Where you yeah. came up through junior, you had to go and play your trade in the minors, go around all country, and then make your way back to where it all started. That's an awesome uh, come-up story. Now, I want to get into the broadcast itself. And a couple friends of the show have, have been on, and Jamie McLennan, one of them. I, I know you and him call games often. What's it like uh, being able to bounce things off? Like, I mean, the TSN crew, top to bottoms, money with Dave Poole and Mike Johnson. I don't want to miss anyone, but like, you got all these great. Cheryl Pounder. Cheryl Pounder, but I mean, color commentators more oh, so yes, uh, than the analysts. So, how how does the how does it change based on who's with you? Do you try to like throw more goalie stuff at Noodles and maybe more off ice player stuff for, for MJ? Like, how do you how do you alter how you throw commentary to them based on who it is? Well, I can use the re- and you're bang on, Ross, with that uh, ideology. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And um, I would echo what you just said as well about, uh, you know, having so many talented people to work with. It's just unbelievable. It doesn't matter who's in the seat. Dave Poulin is another favorite of mine. And uh, really, you go across the board, and we're all so lucky. It makes, uh, makes the play-by-play job pretty easy, actually, when you have so many talented people to work with. And and I love sharing the booth with Gord, too. Uh, he's just first class and everything. He's been really good to me. So uh, I got to throw a, some love for Gord Miller in there, too. But uh, sadly, we were part of the game uh, that Forsberg ripped both knees apart, which I've never seen before in my life, crazy. which is just absolutely crazy. And obviously, we knew something was really wrong at the time, but didn't know how bad it was. Uh, but then when you have Jamie McClendon, you know, you can relate to what position – um, a goaltender's in like Forsberg was stretching out and kind of what that feels like and not to narrow down and and try and play doctor but just to give people a sense of well yeah your your leg locks up and someone sits on you it's going to be bad news so yeah you, you throw in um, you know too bad we had to do it in that type of a setting but you throw in uh, different a- anecdotes uh, based on who's with you for sure and and uh, they all have a lot of good stories they're all tremendous people and you know whether it's MJ Pooley or or Jamie McLennan, it's uh, it's fantastic to get in the booth with them. 
Yeah, we we love uh, pretty much every TSN crew. It's a, always a blessing when you see the broadcasts on TSN as opposed to uh, the opposite. Yeah, we're not we're not afraid to to go out and say it. Just look at our guest history and and shout out Kalbukas, this great guy. But other otherwise, we're we're Team TSN for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, now, what would you say is the toughest part about being a play-by-play announcer? I think a lot of people that aren't really in media or broadcasting, they're like, well, you just say what you see. It can't be that difficult, right? Like, what what would you tell that average fan that uh, is something a little bit uh, more intricate than what they think a play-by-play announcer is? Well, on one hand, you know, I'm not uh, digging ditches for a living, so I certainly respect uh, the fact that, yeah, it's a lot different than other professions and uh you show up and talk so i get that and and you're right you know it's not quite a manual labor position in that regard uh but yeah it's probably a little bit more difficult than people think um the speed of the game you'll notice it just just plop yourself down in a seat in uh the canadian hockey league and the ohl maybe for a 67s game uh then then if you can get to Belleville, go watch a B-Sens game and then go watch an NHL game. You'll notice the speed at all three levels is ridiculously um, separated, obviously with the best in the world being uh, the fastest of that too. So the, the, the way the game moves these days presents probably the biggest challenge when you're just trying to keep up. And then, uh, you know, outside of identifying players on the fly and, and, uh, and making the plays that you see come to life for everybody that's watching from afar – you try and grab your cadence, grab your pacing and, and kind of paint the picture or, or sing a song with it, so to speak, you know, make it sing is kind of a descriptive phrase we use in, in the business a little bit. You don't want it to sound good and, and have a bit of a pacing to it. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that go into it. And, and the more seat time, the better, just like anything you do in life. Uh, the more practice you have at it, the, the more you're going to you know, excel at it and and to be you guys mentioned the talent we have at TSN and I'm, I'm happy to boast about it as well with the, the people we work with but you talk about good comparables I mean when you have Gordon Miller to look up to and uh, you know previously Chris Cuthbert two of the best in the business you know it's it's a lot of watching and listening what those guys do too to try and own your craft have you ever is go ahead Pills. I just have a quick follow-up too do you ever have stuff prepared like if you're like for a big milestone goal, like, uh, I, I don't know, throw, like throwing out Claude Giroux's thousandth point or whatever. Like, this are you going to have uh, some Buffalo. sort of line prepared for it's that kind of moment? Or are you fully, I'm just going to feel the moment type of thing? I've always been interested in that aspect of it. Great question. Uh, you, you very good question. Um, and there's two instances that come to mind right away. One of them was this, this season. You know, we were sitting on the Ovechkin milestone, potentially, right? With... Uh, with 801 and 802 and he came pretty close Sonny Milano ended up putting it in um and (laughs) it wasn't the cleanest look so you always pray that okay just let it be a clean shot so you could see it and uh pump it up but uh yeah I had something in the in the hamper for that one um you know it's easy to get carried away and want to go on with a big dramatic call and stuff all the information in there like he's in this case you know he's chasing Gretzky's passing how and and you want to put all the information in. And yet sometimes it's it's those uh, condensed calls, the more simple calls where you have a couple of words or one phrase and you just punch it uh, that people seem to remember. So, yeah, you're cognizant of it. Uh, you do want to go in the moment and feed off the emotion, whatever that may be. So maybe sometimes you scrap what you have in mind. But I, I think it's always better to be prepared just in case because uh, usually if it's well thought out, it comes out still naturally as opposed to, 
you know, maybe you don't want any take backs on those big moments, right? You, you want to be able to hit it and recognize, you know, there's 31 other guys in the league that want that call as well. So you got to do everybody justice and, and you, you have respect for everybody that wants to do it too. What's the best call you've had? The one that you're most proud of? Oh, right now, you know, missing, missing Ovechkin, that would have been so fun. And actually Crosby uh, had a milestone. He, he didn't hit it last year in Ottawa. He ended up getting to the next game in Philly, but um, yeah, he had a milestone uh, that he was working on too. But uh, I'd say the 2020 World Juniors in uh, Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic, Czechia now, uh, just Canada winning gold. <laughs> like it, it doesn't that game get was any crazy, better than that, wasn't it? Wasn't it was that- crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was Lafreniere against the Russians, and and they were going. Was that? I don't know if it was overtime, but either way, that was a back and forth game. I remember feeling like they were down and out, and then battling back. Yeah, Akil Thomas, uh, you yes, know, played hero, cool. and uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you you're put in a position to be able to to call a game like that, you know, it's going to be special. And then, I mean, it doesn't get any better calling it to Canada, coast to coast, to be able to relay that information. A little golden nuggets. So yeah, I'd have to say that's probably my favorite to 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 this point, and and uh, lots of other fun ones along the way too. And w- am I right that you were calling the 2021 World Juniors as well, where nobody else was in the building? I shared the broadcast actually. Yes, so um, we were expecting our third at the time, and because of the bubble situation, it was a little tricky as to how I would get in and out. So it was actually myself and Blake Price uh, working that one. Uh, very unique. Uh, they had a lot more of the, the hoops to jump through than I did. So uh, I wasn't uh, tip to tail on that one. But, you know, anytime you get to work the World Juniors, it's, uh, again, it's just you, you pinch yourself with the opportunity you're, you're put into and, and you just hope that everything you do comes to life for everybody listening in. And to, to kind of almost translate that into the Senators, did you know in that tournament that Tim Stutzler was going to be the real deal? Because, I mean, he dominated that day. You know what? I'll go back to the 2021 as well. So both of those, uh, I think we saw Tim Stutzler, um, I think everybody on the world stage was aware of what he could do in 2021. I think he he put his mark on it. But the year before, I, Germany was playing to avoid relegation, guys. And I've never seen more scouts in the stands watching that type of game at the tournament than I did. And, and listen, Mo Sider was playing and JJ Paterka. And so you had some other guys that were part of that German team, but Stutzel was, was uh, doing it back then too. It's just, uh, you know, they were in a, in a coming out party, I guess, saving the best for the, the next, the next tournament. But yeah, those two for sure were like the first wow moments. And then, I mean, what a joy to watch, right, fellas? Like, what a joy to watch. He's he's a point better than he was last year with 27 fewer games. And you still feel like this might not even be his best season. Like, it, the best is still ahead for him. So we need you to help us out. When he does something ridiculous down the stretch, I need a Timmy Superstar reference. I need it <laughs> like I need air to breathe, Abs. You don't have to credit us. You don't need anything. I need what a play from Timmy Superstar. I need it. All right. Hey, if Noodles is on board and Meth's on board, which I can only assume they we'll are, talk to them. then, then uh, you know what? We'll get the committee together. Let's do it. I like the catch catchphrase. All right. Very nice. We Nicely called it done. the day before the draft. So, I mean, we've had a lot of bad takes on this show. So when we hit a home run, we're going to make sure everybody knows about it every day for the rest of the time. 
I like no bad takes, no bad days, no bad takes. <laughs> I love that. Throw no, it rest, out there. no fun is the way we look at it. Our, thanks to Timmy, but uh, Pilsy, what else you got for abs? I feel like well, we got some more Sen stuff for him. Oh, of course, of course. So you're a guy that's watching the Sens closely. You get to see them uh, very often here. Ross and I, I don't, I'm still flip flopping on this, but the trade deadline to me is going to be absolutely fascinating for the Ottawa Senators. Where are you at with uh, what Pierre Dorian might accomplish this deadline? Oh boy, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, take you back to that game where Forsberg and Sanderson go down and you're thinking, okay, does that completely change the direction of this team? And yet you, you throw in, Mandalazy and uh, you throw in Sogard and some pretty good efforts and this team is still kind of in it. So uh, you look at the game that's coming up against Carolina as a big one, yes, but I think the real two, the back-to-back with Detroit, like the makeup Huge. game from before the Christmas break and then the game the next night that was originally scheduled, the 27th, 28th of uh, February, if I'm not mistaken. So those two might really dictate what the Sens do, but I like the idea of kind of uh, what Detroit's been saying too, funny enough, is we want these guys to push as hard as we can. If they get in, we want them to experience it. Like, we'd rather have them do that. So I'd be okay if Pierre Dorian's aggressive. Um, I'd be I'd be okay if, if this team sets itself up, but not losing an eye to the future. Um, so that's really easier said than done. That's It is, even sounds hard. You know, I, I wouldn't want that job <laughs> to, to have to sort that out, but... Uh, I think when I think of the sense of the trade deadline, if I think of adding, I think of trying to be in on a player where you might not have as many other teams phoning about the same guy. And I don't know how easy that is, but in other words, if they're getting into a competition, they have to up the stakes and maybe they have to part with something or someone that they don't really want to, man, you know, that, that might get more difficult for people to, uh, to stomach. But if, if they can f- identify a player that uh, maybe is, is uh, you know, easier for them to bring in at the price that they feel comfortable paying, then I'm all for that. I think it'd be great to see this team push and push and push right to the final game. Yeah, we, we would also like a little bit of a push here as Ross and I are tired of covering a rebuilding team. Let's just say that. But speaking of trades, uh, how do you feel about the Zaitsev trade? I think uh, a lot of Sens fans... I, it might be divided. Some sense fans being like, oh, wow, that's a lot to give up just to get rid of a guy that uh, you basically took on for Toronto and the whole Cody CC Connor Brown uh, issue will make your head spin. But now let's just focus. He's gone. That's off the books. What do you think that's going to help Pierre Dorian do? Or do you think there's an immediate plan now that Zaitsev is off the books? Oh, it's one you wrestle with too, isn't it? Because you think of the second rounder and go, well, maybe you could use that as currency in a, in a different deal. Uh, now that's off the board. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the things that we don't know, you know, was how big was the negotiation with Chicago that they want to have the option? You know, I've, I've certainly read and, and listened to and heard a lot about, well, couldn't you uh, do this, wait till the season ends, go through that off-season contract, uh, mile markers that he's going to be hit, and then, uh, you know, either buy them out or do something different on a cheaper level. Well, maybe the Blackhawks negotiated this trade for that very reason for themselves to be able to put themselves in a position to do that where, okay, they like him, they keep him, they don't, they have options, right? So uh, there's always finer points than, uh, you know, on the inside of a trade than certainly the outside. And I've learned that uh, through watching lots of people break down trades. So we never really know the the whole backroom discussions, but it's fun to talk about. And 
And yeah, it seems like a lot to give up, but it, it also, guys, I don't know about you two, but it, it feels like it's setting the table for something bigger. And I know there's always Debrinket money to keep in mind, but but I, I do think this is a precursor to another move. That's just my gut feel. The Chicago Blackhawks won three games in a row and said, we, we got to stop that. But in all, ser- in all seriousness, what, what do you think the, the funnier compensation is? A sixth round or fourth round pick in three years from now? Or a seventh round pick that turns into a sixth round pick if they win one round. Like, what's the funnier condition on that? Yeah, it's almost as good as the other side. Future considerations. Like, okay. Sens are loading up on it, man. From yeah. the Matt Curry trade and now this one, we got future. We've got future considerations pending. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited to cash those in. I, I hope that's a phone call that's a favor, you know, down the road. I hope that's what that means. Like, okay. Okay. We'll call you up. I know other bump us up to the top of the list. When we uh, when we're looking for player X or player Y or something, so yeah, I I know it gets it's not quite the CHL where you're trading picks from nine years down the road, but uh, yeah, I did have a good chuckle at those two because it's it all matters to somebody somewhere, but it's interesting to get your head around those sometimes. So funny, man. Well, hey, from funny to intense, this race for the the wild card in the East, two teams are gonna make it seven are in the mix. Who are you handicapping as the favorites right now? That's the final question for me, Abs. I'm leaving you with a tough one. Oh, man, that is a tough one. It's hard to look past the Metro. It really is. Uh, I just, there's so many uh, teams that seem like they might even do more. Um, You'd love to see, all of us would love to see, you know, like we're attached to calling games for a team that's going to be in the hunt, right? So you'd love to see, Auto ratchet up there. Um, I think they can. I think they have the opportunity to make it interesting. But uh, yeah, man, if you ask me, I think the metro. I think the metro is going to be a tough one to knock out on both counts. Unfortunately, yeah, it is going to be tough. That's for sure. Now, final question for me, John is. What's been your favorite storyline this season for the Ottawa Senators? I mean, say what you want about the team's performance, but there's been storylines left, right, and center. Ross and I always say, never a dull day in Sens land. And I'm just curious from someone that covers the team as closely as you do, what's been your favorite storyline to cover? Oh, wow, man. There's been a lot of great ones, hasn't there? Um, I think collectively it's just seen the young core turn another corner uh, and do it quickly. Uh, You know, it feels like ages ago that Tim Stutzler wasn't going to play down the middle, <laughs> right? And and here he is. He is in all his glory. Timmy Superstar is uh, shining bright, boys. Doesn't it uh, roll off the tongue nice? Come on, It does. It and does. you got to have the umlaut on the U. I, I know that's not really a, an announcer's <laughs> worry, but uh, just for spelling clarification, the umlaut is important. Gotcha. You pronounce it with the umlaut. I'll drop the, okay? yes. I'll drop the little two on there. There you go. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. Uh, yeah, just just thinking of as good of a year that uh, Kachuk had last year and Stutzla had last year. And, and uh, when you say promising future, when you see the groundwork laid for a core that's going to compete, when you see fan favorites and, and, and ultimately maybe franchise favorite players uh, perform like they did this year, you know, that's that's what you hope. But you don't really know how it's going to come to fruition and and then you see this season take place and you think okay this is again just a jumping off point like Brady could be a 30-30 guy every season it looks like right and and Tim Stutzla in a position to succeed against the game's best now and then you add Josh Norris hopefully when when he's uh, recovered and healthy and and all of a sudden you know three lines with Pinto getting his feet wet this season uh, it becomes a lot different so I think 
I think the promise of what's to come, as tough as it is maybe this season to say that again, uh, probably is is my favorite storyline with just how well the, the core has performed because uh, these guys are still young. You don't want to say it anymore. You know, uh, they're not rookies by any means, but it, it's, still a, it's still a young group coming together. And I think they've proven now to themselves as well this season that with the right mix of players, they can beat any team in the National Hockey League. I love that answer, John, and the hopeful best storylines are still to come. It's Johnny Superstar from TSN 5. <laughs> we appreciate your time, man. Looking forward to hearing you on the call tomorrow when the Senators take on Carolina, and I can promise you we're going to be knocking at your door to be back on the show sooner rather than later. Appreciate your time, John, and we'll do it again soon. Oh, love it. Anytime, guys, and uh, thanks for putting me up from the, the Pearson Airport on the way. Uh, lots of Toronto people getting up-to-date with Sens talk right now, so I'm getting some getting some evil eyes over here. Thanks, boys. Stick taps to John for joining us. Absolute beauty. Great guy. Can't wait to get him back on next time on Locked On. Senators. Pilsy, the Sens are back on the practice ice, and as John Abbott is currently in the air heading to broadcast tomorrow's Thank game, you. In Carolina, the Hurricanes present an extremely tough test. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that uh, I think a lot of people argue that they don't have one true superstar, but they've got a lot of depth. I mean, all the way down their lineup, this is a good squad that the Ottawa Senators are going to really have to play their A game if they have any chance, Ross. I think for this game, and we'll get into it more tomorrow on our preview, but you're really hoping for uh, the one point here. If you can take them past regulation, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I agree with you. You mentioned earlier in the show, three points out of four would be key this weekend. You're just hoping to play them tough. But I did see a few highlights floating around the internet of when the Senators won in Carolina in the Hamburglar run. You remember it was in overtime with 14 seconds left, and Kyle Turris goes between his own legs to get around the defender. Both guys are puck-watching Turris, and he goes between all their legs, and Mark Stone finishes the game with 12 oh, seconds remaining. Beautiful. So that gave me some delusion right there. The Hamburglar run always does, but uh, the Sens don't win in Carolina very often either. So uh, you'll take whatever you can get. Although I believe they're on a one-game win streak down there. Didn't they win there last year with Forsberg? That was like the start of his unbelievable game. Second half of back-to-back. Yeah, I think we called uh, that was one of those quasi-revenge games, if I remember correctly. Yes, sir. I'm actually going to pull that up right now because the, the Carolina Hurricanes, they don't lose much at home. And that's that's a, a testament to how Rod Brindamore coaches the team. Big makes time. sure you're always coming out going. Uh, Anton Forsberg with a 47-save performance in a 3-2 win last in Carolina. The 5-15-1 Senators beating the 15-6-1 Carolina Hurricanes. So I guess the Sens only win in Carolina when they're completely down and out. But at least... We'll get to see this team after practice under their belt. Stutzla between Kachuk and Giroux. Pinto between Dabrinkit and Batherson. Ridley Gregg centers Derek Broussard and Julian Gauthier. And Dylan Gambrell will play in between Mattia Joseph and Austin Watson. On defense, Shabbat, Zub, Sanderson, Hamannick, and Brandstrom is with Nick Holden after the Zaitsev trade. Talbot is in the starters end. Pilsy, what are you expecting to see from Cam Talbot in his return? First game in a long time. This is going to be interesting for Cam Talbot for sure. I think he probably was close to being ready in the last game, Ross, but not quite there. So I think this break will have done him some good. Hopefully he gets a good practice in. But as much as we love seeing what Sogard and Kevin Mandelese were able to do in a small sample size, and I'm not taking anything away from them, but 
it's really important to have Cam Talbot back, in my opinion, especially leading up to this trade deadline because he's their biggest trade piece. But they need to decide whether they think they should trade him or keep them as, I'm using quotations, their own rental here, right? So I think that's going to be the most interesting storyline in the next uh, week or so here. We'll continue into those storylines tomorrow. Mark Mathot will join us in all likelihood. An early drop tomorrow on a Friday game day. The Senators play Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. So buckle up. This is the meaningful games that we were promised. It's a little early. It's February. But let's do the most with it. We'll talk tomorrow for Brandon Piller and for Johnny Abbott. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day.